And these talks actually can be found online at the Insight Santa Cruz uh, website under Dharma Talks on the left column. And there's plenty, of, there's lots of talks there. So if you uh, ever feel like downloading, listening to with your iPod or whatnot, it's helpful for traveling or if you can't make it here, I, I think it's helpful. So you know my theme for tonight, it just kind of came to me actually, um, is a bit of an extension of, it's kind of maybe even a wrap up of what I've been focusing on, which is the three characteristics of existence. Um, but really specifically looking at death, dying. Because some would, some would say that that is actually what this whole practice is about. It's about coming to the realization of our own death and that all things die instead of being in denial that we're not going to die and that nothing dies. We're reminded all the time. It's just like the, the three characteristics of existence, right? Suffering. Um, there's, you know, a long list and I gave a whole talk about it. Uh, but that there is suffering in this world. And in some ways, we're born into a suffering world. That's the point. And that there is within this realm of existence, from the Buddhist perspective, there is uh, this law of anicca, uh, impermanence, so that which arises passes away. There's a little bit about birth and death right there. And when we cling to things that change or leave, we suffer. And one of the things that we cling to the most and the hardest is this identity, this uh, self, which is the third characteristic of existence where the Buddha was like, wake up, see that you're not that big of a deal, and then move on. Pretty much, I mean, my interpretation, of course. But, you know, this idea of not self. No fixed and permanent identity. Constantly changing. So I gave three talks, talk kind of covering those, uh, <coughs> the bigness of those things as best as I can with my, you know, limited understanding. So I thought I'd just give it a little bit of a different take today. Really bringing in uh, the elements, because uh, the Buddha gave a whole nother kind of not-self understanding by teaching about the four elements. And in some view, it's the five elements, actually. And I really, uh, I remember when I first started learning about the, the kind of the elemental view of things from the Buddhist perspective, and it really resonated with me because before, um, I, well, maybe around the same time that I was discovering Buddhism, I was also discovering, you know, more kind of Native American uh, tradition. And going to uh, purification ceremonies and, 
and whatnot, and uh, being involved in in uh, some of the understanding of the philosophy. And then through a really very good friend of mine, actually, and um, some of the groups at Spirit Rock began to kind of blend the two. And this particular teaching really stood out to me, uh, this understanding of the elements. From a non-self uh, point of view. Because ultimately, I mean, I've talked about the, the aggregates, right? The five aggregates, you know. There's all these components that come together that create what we call life or human or being. And then from the uh, element perspective, there is the earth element that we can find within our own bodies, right? The solidity, right? the, the, the heaviness of our bodies, of these bodies, of this floor, of that tree. The solidity of the bones, the marrow. And so, uh, to really contemplate that actually is uh, one of the Buddha's instructions. See the connection between the earth element and our, bo- and our bodies. Not separate. Right? Uh, one of, you guys hear me say this all the time. It's, it just is so, I learned it, it's like this phrase that they say in Thailand. If you ever go to Thailand, you'll hear it all over the place. It's sabai sabai. Sabai sabai means same, same, but different. And when I, you know, I used to, be, we used to laugh and go, "Oh, so bye, so bye." You know, like I want a, I want a banana milkshake, and so does he. So bye, so bye. Same, same, but different, right? But uh, the more that I've actually, I mean, that's the way I, I, we learned it, and we laugh about it. And the more that really I, I understand that teaching, it's so, so powerful, actually, because it's saying no separation. Yeah? Earth element is earth element in whatever form it's in. You know, and then we add personality or identity or separation based on fear or attachment. So the the other um, elements, you know, water, the liquidity, the water element, our our own our life blood. The, and all of the stinky stuff too, the bile and the phlegm and the tears and the water. Just the element of water. Also the element uh, uh, of fluidity, movement. The way that water moves. But this is also to be contemplated, to be thought of. Not me. Just water element. You know, does a river have an identity? I was, I was actually talking with a friend of mine yesterday about the difference between a creek and a river. And I was like, oh, I thought it was the size, but I guess it's the amount of flow annually or something. I don't know. They could have been making it up. <laughs> but still the same element, whether it's a river or a creek or an ocean or a tear. You know, or sweat, or saliva. Same element. No different. Important to contemplate, to recognize. 
the fire element known as uh, you know temperature. It says a lot of at first when you know when, when I first think about the fire element, I usually just think right away emotion, you know. But really, uh, it is emotion, yeah. Passion, anger, happiness. Paying attention to the elements uh, when we are in emotion, uh, maybe even overwhelmed by emotion, uh, can help us to see its element. That happiness, or joy, or sadness, or grief, or anger, or frustration, they have a very similar elemental feeling without the uh, pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral feeling tone, right? It's just if you get on the elemental level. I'm sure you guys can, you know, you, you, you can relate to this. You know, you've been somewhere, you've had an experience, you know. I remember this one time I was in India and I was I was invited. I met some strange people. And they weren't strange, but they were interesting. And uh, they invited me to this um, this restaurant that was kind of a restaurant. And um, we were sitting, we were talking. And I'm the uh, you know, there's very little Buddhism in India, by the way. And I'm in Bodh Gaya, so it's like the birthplace of Buddhism. And uh, talking with this Hindu guy and this Muslim guy and, you know, um, like an Australian couple that were, you know, travelers and uh, we were just sitting and talking. He was, I think, uh, this, the one guy was trying to kind of convince me of uh, kind of Hindu philosophy and Ayurvedic, you know, uh, understanding, which, you know, I'm not opposed to. But I was like, yes, yeah, you know, I, I primarily believe in and follow the teachings of the Buddha. And he was like, oh yeah, the Buddha. That's common sense. You know, the Buddha just brought up common sense. And I was like, yeah. The common sense that we all forget. You know? Because it's not complicated. It's not esoteric. It's not uh, uh, out there. Solidity is real. We can feel it. The water, the, the fluidity of our lives. We can feel it. We can connect to it. And that's the genius of the Buddha. Is that the Buddha uh, saw things so clearly that he was able to break it down into a way that everyone can also understand it. Uh, there's uh, one of my uh, teachers, John Kevin wrote a book called Coming to Our Senses. Right? So it's, yeah, it's common sense, but we at least we live a short distance away from that common sense quite often. Right? So coming to our senses again and again and again, this is what it's about, you know. So fire element, and I actually I, I don't know why that story came up, but it fit. But um, I do remember actually being a little defensive. And then they, and then he offered me some hashish, right? <laughs> I was like, I'm good. Puff, puff, give. I was like, thank you for the, the dinner. They were very gracious people. He wanted to convince me about a particular 
uh, yogic teaching that was uh, esoteric and hard to understand and I needed a teacher to break it down. I was like, I'll just go sit and meditate. Thank you. I appreciate your offer. So the other aspect of fire, the element of fire, is life force energy. And that it arises, stays for a time, and passes away. How it arises? I don't know. I don't know. Do you? I don't know. Why it arises? I don't know. But that it does arise, I do know. And how long it stays? I don't know. There's some theory about that. The Buddha taught about that. The Buddha actually taught about the the way in which uh, life force energy arises and the elements come together to create life and the length in which that life uh, extends is completely dependent upon karma. Past karma, current karma. The Buddha himself, after becoming fully enlightened, lived for 45 years after his enlightenment, which was you know in his 30s at some point. Can't remember exactly. Thirty-three. I get him and Jesus confused in that way. Thirty-three, thirty-six, thirty-seven, something like that. You know. When asked how come he reached full enlightenment and then didn't, you know, disassemble or something, you know, turn into a puff of light and float off somewhere, I don't. I have no idea. Uh, transcend. I think was the probably the question. Uh, he said he had karma to work out. So he had to work out his karma, because that's what karma is. Work to be done from past lives, from past actions. So this life force energy, uh, living and dying, this business of living and dying, is really nothing more than uh, these elements coming together for an uh, amount of time that is undetermined, but based on uh, past karma. Best I can figure it. So then, so let's, did I give them all? The air, the earth, water, fire, and air. The air element. So breathing, the breath, is an air element. Sometimes they talk about space, the space within our organs, the space between you and I, air element. So so there's a spatial awareness, there's an an internal and an external awareness of air. Also gases is considered, so all the gases that are happening within us. The air element. So earth, the solidity. Uh, one of the ways that, you know, Bob actually has a class, Bob Stahl has a class here called 32 Parts of the Body. And it's a really 
great way of actually, it's difficult practice, challenging, but very revealing in the way that it uh, helps us break down our uh, enchantment with this body. We're so enchanted with our hair and our nails and our teeth and our skin and our youth or our health. So it's a really good way of kind of seeing that that's not all there is, that there's so much more. So I'll give part of the list breaking down these um, elements. Earth, the internal uh, element, solidity, head hair, body hair, nails, teeth, skin, flesh, sinews, bones, organs, intestinal material. It means crap. (laughs) The external, right? Earth, rock, buildings, material form. Water, liquid element, internal, saliva, bile, phlegm, pus, blood, sweat, fat, tears, nasal mucus, urine, external, rivers, oceans, uh, vital fluids and plants, like chlorophyll, chlorophyll, I was going to say chloroform. That's something else. That's some other element. So then there's the fire. The fire element. The internal uh, physical warmth. So this, what gives us physical warmth? Right. This is where I point to as this life force energy. When we die, we get cold. Bodies, energy, life force energy, is done. The pilot light, blown out. Hmm. That reminds me of a story once. I heard, I heard, uh, or I read actually, and then I've heard it told by monks and whatnot. Uh, people say, you know, ask what happens when you die. Ask, you used to ask the Buddha this. What happens when you die? Where do you go? Where do you go when you die? And the Buddha uh, replied in this way. When you see the flame of a fire and it goes out, do you ask where it goes? Does it matter where it goes? Does it go north, south, east, or west? Does it go up? Does it go down? No, it just goes out. Just ceases to exist. Could you argue with that? The combination of form and the fuel ceases to exist. This was the Buddha's uh, answer. So the internal, so physical warmth, aging, digestion, right? We eat food, we have this energy that gets created. That actually gives us energy, but also the whole movement of our digestive system creates uh, energy, creates warmth, creates heat. And then external, right? Uh, the heat or cold. So the opposite of heat, cold, aging. So the air element, the internal 
uh, breathing, the intestinal systems, the heart. Uh, that's you know movement in space. The space, the chambers of the heart is what is being talked about here in, in, as, to, as far as space. The movement, the motion, external, right, wind, uh, animate and inanimate objects in, in movement, right, the trees out there, moving. Maybe the way I'm talking, it sounds all woo-woo, but it's just, just look, right? It's like, just look. I think the word is uh, adipasiko. Come and see. That was the Buddha's point. Don't read it in a book. I mean, you can. It might be helpful. But see for yourself. This is a practice of seeing clearly. So there's a whole other layer of this practice. But I pretty much we pretty much covered it. But I'll just say the 32 parts of the body um, as a way of, uh, it actually is a chant, and it's a way of kind of really seeing the layers. Like our perception changing. So just maybe just allow your eyes to close and just uh, even see if you can come into contact with these elements, these parts. <coughs> Head hair, body hair, nails, teeth, skin, flesh, sinews, bones. Bone marrow, kidneys, heart, liver, diaphragm, spleen, lungs, large intestines, small intestines, stomach, feces, brain, Bile, phlegm, pus, blood, sweat, fat, tears, grease, saliva, mucus, oil of the joints, urine. allowing the eyes to open. So if you're interested in this um, aspect of uh, the, the elements, understanding, seeing more clearly the breakdown of the, what we call self or this body as a component of parts. <coughs> we tend to glorify it. Beautify it. It's not a bad thing. It's not a good or bad thing. It's just the attachment to it right? and the identity that we create around it. 
this mean we should all, you know, just let it all grow out and not brush or wash or, you know. It's a choice. It's a choice. I've, I've done that, actually. I was on retreat, just I didn't cut my nails. I brushed my teeth, and I did shower. But I would go sometimes without showering until it was just like I couldn't deal. I had to do it. But, like, really, like, feeling the, the, the skin flake off the body and, like, the not washing. Because, you know, we we're constantly shedding. It's pretty trippy. Let the hair grow, you know, just let it all grow out towards, in, through, its, through the uncomfortable stage of ego. Of like, I know this is dot does not look good. I know I do not look pleasant right now. I don't feel pleasant. I don't smell pleasant. You know, can be a helpful practice. I'm sure other people's work experiencing me as unpleasant as well. <laughs> So not-self, from the aspect of the elements, one piece I wanted to cover today. This is called the Sutra on Totality. It's one of my favorite sutras. Sutra is teaching. It says, uh, Monks, I will teach you the totality of life. Listen, attend carefully, and I will speak. So, like, pay attention. This is important. What, monks, is totality? It is just the eye with its objects of sight, the ear with its objects of hearing, the nose with its objects of smell, the body with its objects of touch, and the mind with its objects of cognition. This, monks, is called totality. Now, if anyone were to say, aside from this explanation of totality, I will preach another totality, that person would be speaking empty words and uh, being questioned would not be able to answer. Why is this? Because that person is talking about something outside of possible knowledge. Now, that's a pretty lofty statement. First, I will tell you the totality of things. Right? The totality of life. <clears throat> and then, having been questioned of another totality, uh, that would be found empty. Take it or leave it. Makes sense to me. Here's another uh, teaching from the Buddha. On not self, on not to. This one's a little bit longer. These are both actually from the same um, Samyutta Nikaya, which is uh, uh, the teachings of the Buddha were written down in a particular order, and the Samyutta Nikaya is uh, one book of uh, particular teachings. So these two teachings, the totality of life and the non self, are very closely related in the book. Actual, actually, several books. I mean, you know, the instructed uh, <clears throat> no self. The instructed disciple of the noble ones does not regard material shape as self, or self 
as having material shape or material shape as being in the self or the self as being in material shape. Nor does he regard feelings, perceptions, the impulses or consciousness in any of these ways. He comprehends each of these aggregates as it really is. And that is impermanent, suffering, not self, compounded, woeful. He does not approach them, uh, grasp after them or determine self uh, or determine them as self or me, my or myself. And this, uh, <clears throat> and this for a long time conduces to his welfare and happiness. So, second verse. The instructed disciple of the noble ones um, beholds, beholds of material shape, feelings, perceptions, the impulses, and consciousness. This is not mine. This I am not. This is not myself. So that when the material shape, feelings, perceptions, the impulses, and or consciousness change and become otherwise, there arise not from him or her grief, sorrow, suffering, lamentation, and despair. Old age, sickness, death. We can't escape it. When we cling to life, cling to it as it is, we suffer. It doesn't mean that we don't care about those who, who pass, but clinging to the identity of who they were or we are or our relationship causes suffering. Grief is important. Attachment is hard. Suffering. Burning. As the Buddha would say. Burning. Nibbana, freedom from suffering, is extinguishing the flame. Doesn't mean not care. That means not grasp, not cling. I remember when my uh, grandmother died. It was sad. It's still sad. I loved her. I love her. And it comes and it goes. And letting, letting it go is what's important. That's what the Buddha is pointing to. Freedom comes from the ability to allow anicca to be anicca. Allow impermanence to be impermanence. And not try to make it be anything other than it is. And when we cling, I want it this way or it's not my way, we suffer. What else do I got over here? Hmm. 
So I'm actually going to read this. I was on retreat uh, a few years ago, and I found this uh, dedication of merit to those who have died. And I think um, it's like a chant that the monks give when, when, and when someone passes. Monks are very interested in death especially in, in Southeast Asia and in India. And I remember uh, also being in India, being in Varnasi, which is uh, where they, the, in, in, in India, they, it's a holy place. And they bring to our end of the foot, the, like the shore of the Ganges. And it costs like a crazy amount of money to have your like, your like loved ones burned there. So they're like profiting off it being like this holy place. They meaning the the Indian the people of Varanasi and in the Indian people. So only wealthy people can uh, still can uh, they have to do the wood a particular kind of wood it has to be done in a particular way. And, um, but it's a trip to see. So they bring a body down. They carry it through the streets, and the whole family's there, and it's, it's just right there on a pallet, you know, not on a, not in a coffin, like on a pallet with a wrapped in like some shrouds and some beads and some flowers and anointed some incense or you know oil or something and they're chanting the whole time through and then the, the family comes comes down and there's already a fire built or no not already fire built they put they rest it and then they they set it on fire and then they all stay and they all are just present with the passing of the the breaking down of the elements and then just to keep it real, then the scavengers come in later and they go through and see what they, what they, what they could find. Jewelry or sometimes it's what they're, they're burned with their possession. And then it goes off into the Ganges River downstream. Back to the earth. Dedication of merit to those who have died. This is actually more Southeast Asian than Indian, but it was just bringing that just vision came back up of watching the, the burning gas. Earth returns to earth, fire to fire, wind returns to wind, water to water, space to space, consciousness to consciousness. May this life return to peace. May the goodness of this life join with the virtue and the goodness of the three times, the past, the present, and the future. For the liberation, for the liberation of all beings in all worlds and all directions. I'll read it again. Kind of bringing in uh, what I was talking about around death and the passing and the elements and just seeing that which is. Earth returns to earth, fire to fire, wind returns to wind, water to water, space to space, consciousness to consciousness. May this life return to peace. May the goodness of this life join with the virtue and goodness of the three times, the past, the present, and future. 
for the liberation of all beings in all worlds and all directions. We all loot, we all have loss. And I'm definitely not saying deny it. I guess I'm saying be with it. You know? Thoughts, questions? Please, say your name. My name is Rachel. Um, I, uh, so I was having a conversation with a friend who is going through pretty intense grief right now. Um, and I was trying to sort of, you know, some of the stuff that we talk about in here, I was trying to sort of reflect on some of the stuff that we talk about in here. Um, and one thing that she said to me, no, go ahead. Um, one thing that, you know, I said to her is, you know, it's going to change. Your relationship to this whole moment in your life is going to change. Mm-hmm. And she said, but this person will always be dead. And it mm-hmm. seems to me that a huge monkey wrench in the idea that everything is impermanent mm-hmm. is the fact that death is very, very permanent. Mm-hmm. If someone chops off your hand, that's permanent. It's Your hand is not going to regenerate mm-hmm. magically. Mm-hmm. And so how do we square that with what we've been talking about? Mm. Like, how, how, how do we square that? I mean, the truth is, like, our lives are impermanent, but our death is going to be very permanent. Is it? Well, I mean, yeah, there's never going to be, like, once all of us pass away, there's never going to be another you again. Mm. I mean, maybe... No, true. In some alternate universe, I don't know. It's in science fiction yeah. reality. But. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, it's, a, that, it's, it's a, I'm understanding more your question. Not so much the hand cutting off, yeah, like it's, you know, that's a change. Yeah. yeah. That's not permanent. That's a change. Right? The hand won't, maybe won't grow back, but your perception of, of what it was to what it is now will change. As a matter of fact, in that same, that's a side note, but I don't know, it made me think of hands chopped off. I've actually seen several <laughs> severed limbs in so my life. I've seen several people uh, living uh, with severed limbs in my life, my travels. So really to uh, Cambodia, actually, I saw quite a few severed like feet and hands living. It's crazy. Life does go on in that way. It's different. It changes. I couldn't explain to you what that's like. Right? I actually was thinking to myself uh, earlier about my thumb and how attached I am to my thumb. <laughs> and what would it be like if it was gone? If, it, if I had lost it in an accident or something like that? I have a friend of mine that has three of his fingers chopped off. Actually, yeah, no, three of his fingers chopped off. From uh, fixing something and someone's, you know, someone started the car and it 
chopped his fingers off. Permanent. Yeah, permanent. But moving, but it changes, right? What seemed devastating, you know, could grow, could grow into, right? Can change. So, do I have an answer for you about 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 the kind of death? Yeah, death is final. Yeah, that's the point, right? That really, the, uh, no fixed and permanent self. That's that's what that means, right? That there is no self that gets re reborn, right? The idea of reincarnation um, is a misunderstanding uh, from the Buddhist perspective. Right? Although, talk to some different Buddhists, and you have some different ideas about it. You know, you go talk to the Tibetans, and they'll they'll tell you that uh, no, actually, people people do get reincarnated. This this school of thought doesn't doesn't hold that view. There's some uh, uh, schools of, of Buddhism that believe in a heavenly realm, very much like like heaven. This school, this school of Buddhism doesn't really believe that view because uh, that sounds a little too much like heaven and hell, and uh, depending on your good deeds here. But what is talked about here is that, um, like I said, karma, right? Karma work. Work to be done, action is what translates. And believe me, I've asked I've asked a lot of people that, about this, and it goes back to that question of of the flame. What happens when a flame goes out? Where does it go? Does it reappear somewhere else? Poof! I don't know. I don't know. I'm not there yet. Your thoughts on where that karma, like how it manages to attach to something that I think there's some confusion in my mind surrounding the idea that uh, you know, not self. Yeah. And then in all of our minds. Passing through to to the you know, passing through death, and, and then it's really not self, right? Um, but then still work to be done. Mm-hmm. And I think you had mentioned it. Forty-five years. Enlightenment is saying that there was still karma to work out. And you had mentioned work to be done from past lives. Mm-hmm. And so there's a rub from me. It's okay, so past lives that weren't the self, right? Because the self does not endure. There's, you know, at least within this school of thought, practice of not self. So where is the work from past lives? What is it attaching to and how is it being passed on to this mm-hmm. new self, this mm-hmm. new life? And where is the debt mm-hmm. from the new self mm-hmm. to working out? Great um, question. I don't have an answer for you because that uh, that's almost an unanswerable question. Yeah. In the suttas, when asked questions like that, the Buddha, which I'm definitely not, um, would say that it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Actually, it leads to vexation and con- more confusion. So let it go. So that's the Buddhist answer. Here's my answer. And I actually do believe that that's true. But here's what I've, the way I've kind of grasped it. 
So we live on this planet. On this planet, the elements of this planet are come together. And we're not really sure exactly what's holding it together. But something, gravity and, you know, just all the compound elements, right? And then there's water on this planet. And from my understanding, there's no new water on this planet. And actually, I just heard recently there was someone that was here that was like a water specialist or something that was like arguing with me about it. I was talking about this before. That there's no new water and there's no old water. That we're actually not in some, you know, like when there's a drought, it's just displaced. So that so that water, you know, it's frozen and then it's oceans and then it's heat rises it up to the clouds and then it moves over the land and then it rains and it goes through the through the earth and then it comes down into the streams and the rivers and you know like this right so it's a cycle it's a water cycle basic sixth grade science yeah add that to a karmic momentum and it's the same idea right it's not just your karma it's karma right and but the where the where where the personal responsibility lies is in that we are a compound and uh, uh, we are we are compound elements and we are placed here by what don't know for how long don't know to do what work that karma out clean our water so to speak we're water filters. We're just water filters. <laughs> and that's our job. That's the job. And when that is done, then it's done. Okay, so I'm, I'm assuming that this is the another irrelevant related question that causes... You know, Vexation and craziness, yeah. Right? If... The intent is to, you know, really sit with the truth of no self. Mm-hmm. Then where is the intent to do the work mm-hmm. attached mm-hmm. to the self? Is that the same question that I asked before? Or I don't think that it is, but... It, it, well, so what you're saying now, because so, now you're getting back to the question you asked last week or a few weeks ago about intent and, in, and intentionality and kind of free will and um, why why even care about karma in a sense, right? Not necessarily. I mean, you had just spoken <coughs> something similar to that's what we're here for, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, to, yeah. you know, plans, right? Yeah. And I'm just wondering, okay, no self, we're... I know that this is a simplistic conversation way to put it, right? But no self, we're not here, you know, but yeah. that there's a responsibility that we are yeah. all going to... Well, because you are here, work. right? You are you, I am me, we're different, right? Mm-hmm. You have a certain set of compound, like your your mother and your father, mm-hmm. right, came together, and the sperm and the egg came together different than my sperm and egg, Right? And then from the Buddhist perspective, consciousness drops in at some point. And so when that is birth, right? And so what gives birth is life form. And then there is in and the the weight of past karma not 
not you don't know what it is. You can't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Right? But that's the weight that causes birth from the Buddhist perspective. And then uh, the decisions that you make once you are able to begin to make decisions is where it's like you're like you're playing poker, right? And it's how you play the cards. Yeah? It's not the cards you're dealt. Although you're dealt some cards, right? And from a, a Buddhist perspective, ugly people were uh, very vain in the past life. Um, uh, poor people were very rich in their past life and uh, greedy. Um, things like this, right? That that's kind of like the birth deformity. So there's like exp- like explanations for uh, on the karmic scheme of things. Why are we have a certain lot in life? And that our lot is to work through that, that karma in as pure-hearted a way as possible. Um, and that's really about as far as I can uh, take you. And uh, if you choose to, go on down the, the wormhole. Right? But, you know, the Buddha did warn to try to contemplate karma and the end of karma is the cause of vexation and craziness. And, you know, does that mean that we don't ponder upon it? Of course we do. We, we have an intellect. It's given to us, right? Or we, it developed, right? In the particular way. So, we need to ask these questions, right? But, uh, from the Buddhist perspective, and then we really need to end, so uh, I won't take any further questions. Um, from the Buddhist perspective, that's where adipasiko comes in. Because it's not about thinking and talking as much as about being it. More will be revealed. You don't know what you don't know. We don't know what we don't know. And only can we live into the next moment. We might know what that moment's like. So what happens at death? I don't know. The best example. Thank you for your question. It's a very thoughtful and uh, intriguing question. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.